0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Frank Lloyd Wright is a household name, not only here in Chicago, but across the world. From Unity Temple in Oak Park to Wright's estate and studio known as Taliesin up in Wisconsin's Driftless region, the architect left his mark. But I have to confess, I have never had the chance to see a Wright building up close and personal. Well, not until last week, at least, when I traveled down to Hyde Park with our architecture sleuth, Dennis Rodkin, to check out one of the most famous Wright-designed homes, the Roby House. It's the next icon that we're covering in our special summer series of What's That Building, where I get to see, in person, some of Chicago's best-known landmarks. And we began our tour on the outside of the home. Let's listen. Dennis, it's so great to see you out in the world again. Isn't this fun? This is actually a lot of fun. So this time around, we're standing in Hyde Park, And we're standing in front of another Chicago architecture icon. This time it's the Roby House. So what would you say is the first thing I should know about this place?
1: Well, it's by Frank Lloyd Wright, designed between 1908 and 1910. But the thing to see, the reason we're standing outside, is the horizontality. You can see, anybody who has walked up to this house has seen, it's a... It's a stack of horizontal plates. Right. You see that in the overhanging roofs, the long run of windows. Mm-hmm. You see the cap, the uh, stone caps on the brick walls. And then there's this really great trick that um, Wright played to, to make the horizontality really show up. Yeah. If you look, the grout, of course, is the material between the bricks. Right. And if you look at these bricks, first of all, they're Roman brick. They're long and, and not very tall. That's right. So that makes them horizontal. But then that's enhanced by the fact that the runs of grout between... The horizontal runs of grout between the bricks, between one brick and the one above it, is white. But then look at the grout in the verticals between bricks.
0: Oh, that's, what is that, red?
1: It's red, yeah, like the brick. It's sort of reddish-orange so that you don't see the vertical lines, which makes you only see the horizontal lines. So then from top to bottom, we talked about the roof, the windows, the stone caps. Even the brick makes it feel horizontal.
0: What do you think Lloyd Wright was going for with that?
1: Well, so one thing is this evokes the prairie, our flat landscape around Illinois and Wisconsin where he came from but the other is I'm sorry there aren't any right around near us but Hyde Park and other neighborhoods at the time had a lot of Victorian houses and you picture a Victorian with like a tall tower and posts vertical posts for the porch this sort of takes that and turns it in a different direction rather than being vertical like the houses of the day it turns and goes horizontal.
0: You know, most of our listeners will have heard of Frank Lloyd Wright, and we're, we're name-dropping him, but let's let's go back. Where was his career at this time when he designed this house?
1: When he designed this house in 1908, he's 41 years old, which is relatively young because he practiced for about another five decades. But um, he, so Wright had worked for Lewis Sullivan. He had had some jobs for people here in Chicago, but then he goes out on his own, and by the time he's 41, by the time he's, designing this house. He's already done dozens of houses in Oak Park, including his own house, but Uh others as well. Here in Hyde Park, in Kankakee, in several other places, he's become a very sort of fashionable designer of houses.
0: Well, that's actually pretty cool, Dennis. I wonder how it plays inside. Let's go take a look. goodness. This is gorgeous. Isn't it wonderful? This room is absolutely stunning. I kind of wasn't expecting this standing outside.
1: Isn't that interesting? Well, so one of the things is you came up a level from the street, right? Right. So we were down at sidewalk level with all of this floating above us. And you just can't imagine until you get here that you're in a room like this in the surrounded by the trees. I
0: mean, look at these windows. First of all, I don't know where to keep my eyes. (laughs) So many shapes like circles, diamonds, rectangles. It's absolutely beautiful in here.
1: It is, but notice though that it all does kind of come together into the horizontal that we were talking about it down does. out on the sidewalk. From
0: the ceiling to the floor.
1: The beams, look at the row of lights, and the glass in the windows is these sort of flattened diamonds so they're almost horizontal. Mm-hmm. So everything sort of pulls you along the horizontal line just like the exterior of the building did.
0: Right. How much was this home purchased for?
1: they spent $60,000 to build it in 1908 to 1910. That's the equivalent of about 1.92 million Ooh, today. That's a lot of money. You know, in Hyde Park, you couldn't build a house today for 1.92 million because you'd have to buy a lot. It was this was a more suburban, less developed area at the time. They bought the lot and and Building was less expensive at the time as well.
0: Who's they? Who bought the house?
1: The Robies. So they actually commissioned him to design it. Laura Hieronymus Roby and Frederick Roby. They built here probably because Laura was a graduate of the University of Chicago. She was a nineteen hundred graduate. Frederick Roby uh, was actually a college dropout. He went to Purdue. He dropped out to work for his father, who had a company in Chicago called Excelsior. They made sewing machine parts. They moved into bicycles. And then under Frederick, they moved into motorcycles. And so they got mar- the two of them got married in 1902. In 1908, they commissioned Wright to design the house. And in 1910, it's completed, and they move in.
0: i got to ask, what's this about this salacious history <laughs> that I'm hearing about with well, the Roby House?
1: Well, so uh, Frederick and Laura move in in May 1910. In April 1911, Laura moves out with the two children. Okay. Moves back to Springfield. She claims that Frederick has been visiting prostitutes. Ooh. And they end up divorced in 1912 and he sells the house. So they had been married only about 10 years. They spent 2 years building the house with Wright. She's only here for 11 months, he's not here much longer and then it goes to another family.
0: My goodness. Must have cost quite the shakeup back then.
1: I, well, I think it was, probably, it was probably kept pretty quiet at the time. A lot of those details sort of come out later. Biographers have brought out much later the question of prostitution and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, imagine you've commissioned this work of art by one of the most prominent architects at the time in Chicago, eventually one of the most prominent in the world, and you have to let go pretty quickly because your marriage falls apart.
0: Yikes. Well, you know what? I'm loving this space so much. I would love it if we can check out another room. Let's go. Okay, so we've just taken a few stairs, and we're now upstairs in... What room is this, Dennis? bedroom,
1: one of the bedrooms, with this nice pyramidal ceiling and the windows around. I mean, imagine being the Roby kids, and this is your bedroom.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty sweet, especially with all this natural light, right? But... I want to follow up on something that we were talking about a moment ago, right? You said that the Robies, they had to give this up after a pretty short time. So, I mean, what happened?
1: Well, so they were one of only three families who have lived here between when they moved in in uh, 1910 and 1926, there were three families. In 1926, that third family sells it to the Chicago Theological Seminary for student housing. And each time it sells, it sells for a little bit less. I said it started out, they paid the equivalent of $1.92 million.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh It sells at one point f- the equivalent of $1.56, $1.54. It's becoming less valuable, even though Wright's reputation is rising. And then, uh, as I said, in 1926, they sell it to the Chicago Theological Seminary, which was across the street, and they were going to use it as student housing.
0: Wait, so students were going to live in this house?
1: For a while, from 1926. And then in 1941, the school says, you know, we need more housing. We need a taller building. So they decided to demolish this house.
0: Wow. So the fact that someone wanted to demolish this house just to put up dorms, that's crazy to me.
1: It seemed crazy to a lot of people. But you have to keep in mind that the house is only a few decades old at the time. It's kind of gone out of style. So there wasn't quite the hue and cry, there might be later on, but because of World War II, the school was not able to tear it down. They, they just didn't get around to doing it, and so the building was saved for a while. But then in 1957, the school comes back and says, you know, now we're ready to tear this down. Now we really need a tall building for student housing. We're going to tear down Roby House.
0: Oh, wow, so does it get saved again?
1: It did get saved. There were so many people upset. The old newspaper articles are fascinating. The the, uh, faculty of a German arts university write to the city of Chicago and say, you can't do that. Frank Lloyd Wright shows up, and he says tearing this down would be like ruining a piece of sculpture. Carl Sandburg shows up for a tour of Hyde Park, and he says to reporters that tearing down Robie House would be akin to a Nazi book burning. He actually says it would be worse than a Nazi book burning because when the Nazis burn books, at least there are other copies of the books still around. If you tear this down, it's going to be gone. So then a hero comes along. It's December 1957. A New York developer, William Zeckendorf, from Webb and Knapp, is building some projects here in Hyde Park, and he goes to Mayor Daly and says, you know what, I'll buy Robie House from the seminary, and I'll save it keep it temporarily as my Midwestern office, and then give it to the university when I'm done.
0: You know what I'm really loving about this series, where we're meeting each other out in the field? I feel so much closer to these structures that you come on the show and talk about every couple of weeks. And you do a great job of painting the picture of what these buildings look like inside and out. But there's something to be said about getting this close, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think of Frank Lloyd Wright building especially. I know before you came to Chicago, you had never been in a Frank Lloyd Wright building. That is and right. to see you walk in a few minutes ago, see those windows surrounding you. see
0: my jaw drop. yeah,
1: exactly. that That's pretty cool. I hope listeners have that feeling when they hear the segments, but it's great to see you responding to the buildings that way.
0: All thanks to you, Dennis. That was Dennis Rodkin, residential real estate reporter for Crane Chicago business.